You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. Find out more at MomentumAustralia.org. Well, welcome to this week's Momentum. It is uh, Tim and Des with you. And as always, so, so great that you can spend some time with us on Momentum. MomentumAustralia.org is our website. Love you to check that out after the show uh, because you can find out a whole bunch more about what we do, what we hope to achieve and uh, previous episodes of the show as well. But uh, in the meantime, Des, my co-host, my friend, the legend. How are you, man? Are you good? A legend's not people who are dead. <laughs> not <laughs> yet. Do you know something about my life that I don't know already? <laughs> anyway, it's great to be on the show, man. It's really good. It's always cool to, to have a bit of fun with you. And, and we're going to have a super show today. It's going to be really cool. And I'll let you yeah. introduce our guest. Thank you. Yeah, I get that sense too. Um, we've got an amazing guest for you. He's uh, a coach, a speaker, a trainer. He's a thought leader. I love that. Who likes to challenge people's paradigms. So get ready to get challenged this week. Uh, he's currently the director of multiple Australian companies employing over 300 in staff. He's an accomplished businessman, a coach, a mentor. He's recently re- completed his uh, diploma in psychology as well. And his passion, I love this, Des, is to unlock people from their limiting beliefs which stopped them from becoming all God has intended them to be. Amazing. I think he's just the right man for this show. Alex Sapala, welcome to Momentum, mate. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Des. Uh, An absolute honor to be here. You guys are doing doing some great things, and I'm honored to be invited on to, to speak with you and your audience. So thank you. That's great. Well, I just want to encourage the men listening right now. I think um, put put on your seatbelt, you know, as we say, because I think it's going to be a bit of a ride with Alex today, <laughs> talking about uh, these paradigm shifts and limiting beliefs, and uh, you know, get ready for uh, some great input. But uh, Alex, let's give us a bit of background, man. I mean, uh, about who you are, what's led you to this point, and then you know, we'll get into this week's topic. But just uh, for the men listening right now who may have not heard of you, uh, just fill in the blanks for us a little bit. I immigrated, uh, I guess, when I was four years old with my parents from Italy. I was born in Italy, and uh, um, uh, I, w- I was just sharing to someone recently. My, my, I had to have my arm broken in three places to get me to get me out. So I was a big boy, oh, and I've shrunk in size obviously since then. But uh, I, w- I was six point eight kilo, so almost. Uh, I think my father said I walked out. Um, yeah, yeah. But wow. And anyway, um, uh, I was I was one that was a little bit ahead of my time and a little bit, and um, my. Uh, my father took me to the hospital and he walked me into the emergency room to, to get my arm fixed. And Carl was two hours old. I was born at home, a midwife. And um, the doctor, the resident that was there at the time, came out and was a friend of my dad. And he said, Joe, uh, uh, what's the matter? He says, well, can you help my son? He, sa- he says, your son, how old is this one? It's, it hasn't been that long that we haven't seen each other. He must be six to eight months old. He goes, no, he's two hours old. <laughs> so, so anyway, that started my journey with um, with, with, with broken pieces of, of my body and bones and, you know, fractures and scars and bits and pieces, and it's been a wonderful journey. There's one thing I don't share often, that is I was actually run over when I was 18 months old. Um, and it was a day, and I, rem- I don't remember it, but I remember the story how my mother told me, and it was my mother was very ill. And, and if I can share this with you, she was at home and waiting for the doctor. Do you remember those days when the doctors used to come to your home? Yeah. Right? They'd, but, you know, they'd walk in and they'd have, they'd have this stethoscope around their neck and they carry their leather case yes, as if, yes, exactly, as if right. they had the power of life and death. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I had this magnificent relationship with a doctor that was our resident doctor in Italy. And every time he came, he used to bring lollies. 
And so I was oh. first at the door every time. I'm, I'm the youngest of four. And I was first at the door. So, he, and I think I was his favorite. Well, that's that's what I think anyway, right? <laughs> so he was a lollipop and, and and he'd set the scene and he'd take care of us. I got to know him because he came frequently for my brothers and my dad, and he'd always stop in and visit on his way past for a coffee. And it was that sort of relationship. So I, I thought I knew the sound of his car. Anyway, mum was sick one day. And I'm waiting intently at the door, apparently. And as soon as I heard something that sounded like his car, I've run outside and I've run onto the road. Now, if you know homes in Italy, they're on the road. We, you know, we, we, had, we didn't have the virtue of a front gate or a fence or anything. It was like out and you're on the street. And I've run out onto the road and boom, I got collected. Uh, it was touch and go there and, uh, you know, uh, looking at uh, potential brain damage and all those sorts of things. Now, you've got to remember this is 1965, 66. CAT scans weren't around, or if they were, they, they were rudimentary at best. There was nothing they could do other than wait for time to evolve. And they said, when I'm about 10 or 12, they'll sit, start to see whether there's any brain damage or any issues. Hmm. I'm happy to say that, you know, <laughs> today I'm okay. You should have seen me yesterday. We should just say it uh, for the audience is that Alex actually twitching his head while he's being that statement. That's it. So I thought I'd do that for your entertainment. But the the, the best, the, the, the wonderful thing is that um, um, through prayer, that was what saved me. Hmm. And I understood from my life thereafter that I had a protective mechanism around me. I had God's hand protecting me from dangers to get me to where I am today. Now, I don't know about tomorrow because I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I can tell you where I am today. Anyway, I've grown up. We've immigrated. Um, I, I always had this caring factor for other people. I always cared about others. So much so I was almost like a sidewalk counsellor. Oh, yeah. I remember as a teenager, I'd be sitting in the on a gutter with, with a friend or his girlfriend, one or the other, when they're broken up and I'm sitting there listening to the counselling. Right. And I actually thought in my mid-teens that I would probably grow up and go off and do psychology and wow. go about and do that. And then I met a psychologist girl and I went, oh, yeah, I'd like to go and hang out <laughs> with you for a bit. And anyway, I didn't. I ended up leaving at the age of 17, left home and joined the Navy. I spent seven years in our military. Uh, electronics warfare was my background and I buried myself in electronics and diving and diving operations and all that sort of stuff and all that fun stuff. Um, got to see a lot of uh, a lot of the world, got to experience a lot of things. And I'd recommend it to anyone. Um, if you have that and your children are itching or want, have that scratch that they want to join, go and have a look um, because they do a great job. But the one thing that never left me was the caring factor about other people. Hmm. Yeah. That was always there. Fast forward 40 years and running businesses, I've run large-scale major events where I've led operations of 1,500 people and, you know, uh, multi-million dollar businesses, all this sort of stuff. Done all that. I've gone now full swing back into where I was when I was in my teens looking at caring about people. Hmm. And, and I believe I'm back where I'm, I'm meant to be. Uh, 12 years ago, I got the nudge from John Maxwell about creating a team, a John Maxwell team. And we, I, was, I became one of a number of people that were founding partners in the John Maxwell team. Wow. And then from there, that's now grown to probably about 40,000 people around yeah. the world. 
Uh, and and there we, we all went ahead and got certified to coach, teach and speak um, the leadership principles and leadership coaching and things like that. And so I grew, uh, I grew as a person, uh, understanding I dropped everything else that I did in business and just left all of that uh, business management and stuff aside to chase leadership and, uh, and then learned how to coach. Um, I became a coach then I learned how to be coached. Wow. And in that, there are so many lessons. Hmm. But one of the key things for me was 18 years ago where I met my wife um, and she led me to the Lord. And that was, that was for me where the foundation of change really started yes. to occur. It was that process of I always believed that there was a God, but my question was always, is God Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit. You know, this whole, I just couldn't get it in my head. And um, and through the works of um, some of the works of Nikki Gumbel, um, I, I then went on to become part of the Global Alpha team and doing some alpha stuff in, in around Asia. So I've done a whole bunch of different things um, as part of your, you know, you, you give back to community. Mm. And um, But as a part of that, she gave me this book, which were the questions of life. And I, I took it back after our first date. And I remember I, I was living in a house in Melbourne, in Port Melbourne, and I went back and I read the book and I, at the end of it, there was a call and to, to, to um, invite Christ into your life. And I actually felt the impulse to open the blinds. It's 1 o'clock in the morning, right? 1 a.m., I'm going to open the Venetian blinds on the window of my apartment and I'm going to face the window and look up to the sky and go down on my knees and say the prayer. And I did. Wow. And from that day, life changed. Yeah. Fantastic. And it was just an absolutely magnificent thing. And um, so that has been that has been the foundation of my change. And then the coaching and the teaching and the training has been what's enabled me to build and create and develop the things that we've created from hmm. that day to today. It's amazing. That's really yeah. a great, great story. Alex, the, I mean, there's so much in your story that we could touch on. Um yeah, I mean, and I, and I love the fact that, uh, you know, and I've seen this in my own life and days, you can probably attest to this as well. When you look back over the backstory um, and you come to faith later in life, you can just see how the Lord's gently had his hand upon you, even when you weren't aware of it or aware of him. And yet you can definitely feel like or look back and go, oh, okay, that now makes so much sense. I didn't understand it at the time. And yet when I come to faith or I'm a little bit down the track and I look back at it and I go, oh, yeah, okay, now I can see the hand of God upon my life. So I, I love hearing your story. But, um, you know, today we want to talk about this this idea of coaching because for some people that's a, that's still a fairly new phrase or they've never thought about that. They've talk, you know heard about counseling and those sorts of things and psychology, but we haven't necessarily had the awareness or the, uh, you know, we've stepped into a coaching space. And so... Um, I want to explore that with you, if you don't mind, for, for the guys listening, because you, you talked about you coaching others and being coached yourself. And so I suppose the thing is, uh, let's let's start by asking then, what do you think the benefits of having a coach are for men listening right now? Having somebody come alongside them and coach them, and, and what does that even really look like and mean to be a coach or be coached? Great question, Tim. I think... Um the first thing I think we need to explore is what is coaching to really understand and, and appreciate where the benefits will lay. Coaching, in effect, is 
a relationship between two people or one person, a coach and the, the coachee, or a team, a people of people. Okay, so it can be one to many or one to one. The benefit, I guess, the, the the relationship between the two is where the coach is 100% focused on the outcomes that the coachee or the client is looking for. Hmm. So the agenda for the coaching session and the coaching outcomes all come from the client. So it's not like a sports coach or a football coach. We see that almost every position in football has a specialist coach. That is a person who has a bunch of skills in that position, a technician, shall we say, who then teaches those skills to the level that he has. Yes. On to the next person. Mm. And in that technician phase, the technician becomes the lid on the ability of the person being taught. Yes. Mm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Whereas a coach can come along and actually take that player and take them higher without being a technician. Yeah. Just by looking at and asking deep questions as to in each, into each phase of that person's um, skill and drill. Okay. So say, for instance, it's kicking, kicking a football. You'd say to them, okay, so when you, uh, let, let's go ahead and do some demonstrations. They do one kick and it goes between the sticks. Great. They do another kick, it goes to the left. Another kick goes to the right. Every time that it goes off the target, you ask the question, so what were you thinking about just before you let the ball go? <laughs> oh, now what was the thought as soon as that ball left? I bet you know exactly where that ball was going, don't you? He goes, I do. Why did you let the ball go? Oh. Hmm. So we're bringing awareness to the thoughts that are happening within the person before they go ahead and do that. Now, as a technician, you will be very good at your kicking game, but unless you question it, like question all your beliefs, you'll never know why you continue to make the amount of mistakes in your drills that you do unless you question it. Hmm. Yeah. But we can't question ourselves. Because we have and we've created in our life these things called limiting beliefs. And you might have heard the other term called a paradigm or another term that's used is called a blind spot. What this, in, what this says is that you've, you've created a limit to what you can do with what you have and your mind will go to that space as a limit. That's it. It doesn't go any further. Until someone says, hey, Des, did you notice that when you do this, when you're talking to someone, you actually cock your le- your head to your right. You know, why, why do you do that? <laughs> and un- unless you question that, you continue to do it. Sure. Okay, am I making sense? Yes. So what the coach does is with great observation, with great listening skills and with great abilities to ask really good questions that are not yes no questions that are that are effectively creating an awareness and creating the person's ability to actually switch on their cognitive processes to dig deep into their subconscious mm. effectively that's what that coach will do by creating those questions okay a coach will then masterfully listen and not interject and they will listen with the intent to understand, not to not the intent like most of us do in conversation, the intent to respond. Yes. So he listens and he'll then question and go, hmm, I'll give you, for instance, on a coaching course we were teaching recently, 
someone said, I really struggle with a particular belief that you that you have as part of your belief systems as a coach. Um, and and that person was expecting that I would retort with something. My response was, um, and, and let me let me give you the let me give you the belief. We have a belief that that says that we all have inside us everything we need to become all that God has purposed us to be. Okay, that's a belief yes. we hold as a Christian coach. Yes. That's the belief we hold. And so, therefore, that person struggled with that because they said, well, if I want to be an astronaut and I can't stand G, the, the, the G shocks, <laughs> or if, if I want to be a tap dancer and I don't have any legs, then how does that? I went, oh, that's a great point, very good reflection. However, what you need to think about is that God will put in man's heart the dream and the purpose that he has for him, hmm. and everything outside of that may not be driven by him. That's good. So he's not going to give you, I don't believe that God's going to give you a dream that's going to, he's going to give you a dream that's going to stretch you, but he's not going to give you a dream that's going to break you. Yes. And if he, if you think you've given, you've got a dream, if you're a person with no legs and, and I raised, you know, uh, Vojcic, I raised, raised him, said, he's a man, no arms, no legs, mm. no limits. Mm. I know him because he's part of the Maxwell team. Yeah. And so, He's a person with no arms, no legs, and he says the limitation is not in my arms and legs, it's in my head. Yes. Mm. That's excellent. So good. So mm. God's purpose has a purpose for each one of us, but he's already put everything that we need within us. All we need to do is to have someone to champion us. Mm. And so what's the benefit of a coach, Tim? Great question. It's about having someone come alongside you, question you, challenge you, listen to you and to drive you toward achieving those things that God's purpose for you to do. It's interesting, Alex, just reflecting earlier, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago before coaching was here, if I had some sort of issues with my life, the church would say, go read your Bible. Because within the Bible is all the answers that you need, right? And in one context, we agree with that, right? And so I put it to you: what What's the value of coaching as a as a, as well as reading your Bible? So because there's lots of Christians who wouldn't even consider coaching. Yep, it goes hand in hand. The reality is, it goes hand in hand. You know, if I didn't have the the foundations, the spiritual foundations from the Bible and the teachings that I've had, um, I could not link those things to back to the Bible. Mm we're all men of faith yep. and different people have different faith in different things. Mine's in Christ and his redemptive power. And, and we have, we have a faith mm. in God that he has put us here for a purpose. We have a faith in him that he's, he's not going to leave us nor forsake us. We have a faith in him that he's going to protect us and to watch over us. And we've got a faith in him that he's going to bless every step because that's what his word tells us. So if we don't have that, foundation don't have that understanding then what journey can i cast for you as a christian to say god's got a greater purpose for you if i've got nothing to found it against Mm. so it's got to be founded on what we know as truth and today there are so many truths out there yes and everyone has their version of truth 
And, and it's important to have a foundation. My wife and I were just talking about this very thing the other day. And I said, so what is truth to you? She goes, there's only one truth, and that truth is what God says. Fantastic. Mm. How, 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 can you, how can you falter that? <laughs> but but it's, as long as what we do is all founded back to our biblical truths, then um, coaching is the answer to help you connect you to that. You know what? I remember years ago, pastors would have time to develop people. Right? They don't they can't, they don't have that time anymore. Yes. They're suffering as much as we are. And and so therefore it's you know it it's hard for them because they're struggling in the same way we are, and, and even more so because then they've got the burden of leadership on them. And, and so you almost feel like as an I don't know about you guys, but as a man, almost feel hard to go to someone who you know is actually in a worse position than you and ask them for help. Mm. I'm not talking about financially or spiritually or anything yes. here. I'm talking about yes. you, you can see that, that there are some things that just they're just working hard to to get through and they've got no real support, um, you know, in that physical sense. Hmm. And so we, we often say in Momentum, you know, it is very important for men to have buddies, to have mates, and to have mates before they have a problem in their life, have somebody that you can have a conversation with, have a coffee with, you know, go fishing with, whatever it is, right? You've got this bond with this person that you trust. And then when things do go pear-shaped, in whatever context, you've got this person who you've built this rapport with. And so, yeah, spot on. Well, all around Australia, this is Momentum. It is uh, Tim and Des with you. And our special guest is Alex Sipala. Alex, there'll be there'll be men listening who you know we talk there about pastors and things. There'll be men listening who might be saying, "Yeah, I've got some good friends. I I have you know regular catch ups with them. I have coffee with my pastor once a fortnight. I might meet a counselor like once a month. You know, I feel like I've I've covered most of my bases, right? So then throw in, I suppose, the the the, the whole coaching aspect aside from this. Uh, the sense that we can start to fine-tune, I suppose, or get a clearer vision of what the things in our hearts might be that the Lord's calling us to. But I suppose just can you expand on, on I suppose, the difference between a counselor and a coach? Because a counselor kind of, you could look at that and go, well, isn't that a similar sort of thing as opposed to what a coach would do? Because a counselor is unpacking some of this stuff as well. What are the subtle differences between the two? Great question. And there is, um, there are many differences. One of the, probably the easiest way to, to um, articulate this is, let's say, for instance, we have a, if, if we can all imagine a linear time that represents our life, hmm. let's say it's, you know, zero to 80, for argument's sake, 80 years, hmm. God willing. And we are now at 40. We're in that halfway zone. During that 40 years, we've learnt a lot of things. We've created a lot of beliefs. We've created some are limiting, some are empowering. Okay. And it's and it's those beliefs that are driving us who have driven us to where we are today. The counselor can help you unravel from your day to day to day zero where you were born. They can help you unravel the issues and deal with the issues that come up. Mm-hmm. That's not the coach's job. The coach will take you from your present day and look into the future. Mm. Okay. 
I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah. So from a coach's point of view, we're we're interested in 40 years plus. Yes. Mm. So we look at today. What can we do today that improves tomorrow? Because we understand we can't change yesterday. Yes. But what we can do is we can actually change how we see yesterday. Yeah. We can also change what yesterday means to us. And if we change how we see and if we change what it means, we can change the impact that it has. Mm. The limiting impact. Correct. Yeah. Mm. Because all of your emotions and your beliefs are based on the meaning that you've given to a particular circumstance. Yes. Mm. Yes. You create the emotions from those things. If you can, and we can change that. Jack Canfield has a fabulous, uh, and I'm a Jack Canfield trainer as well. He has a fabulous formula, which again is biblically based. It's called E plus R equals O. E means the event. Whatever the event or circumstances going on around you, you can't control what's happening outside of you. R stands for response, your response to the given event. Mm-hmm. O equals outcome. Mm-hmm. Now, we can't change the event. Now, let's, let's put something real to this. Let's say, for instance, that the event was the environment, rain. No, actually, let's make it a little bit sunny because there's plenty of rain out there at the moment. <laughs> let's change that to sunshine and we've got UV factor 15. Can we change the sun's rays? We can't, can we? It's a circumstance we'll live with. But how can we respond? We could slip, slop, slap. We could stay indoors. We could Mm -hmm. take an umbrella. There's a bunch of things that we can do that changes our response that doesn't equal cancer. Yes. Mm. You with me? Yes. Once we know that we can't change the circumstance, we then focus all of our energy into what our response is. And we can we know that if we change the response value, we'll change the outcome. Mm-hmm. Let me make it mathematical for some of you mathematical guys out there. Let's say that the um, E is a value of five and the R is a value of five. Now, for the mathematicians, it won't take you long. That equals 10, five plus five. Now, I want the outcome to equal 15. And I know that I can't change E, but I can change R. Mm. Yes. Now, Quick transposition just says all I need to do is make the R response a 10 value. 5 plus 10 equals 15. Hmm. I've changed the outcome just by changing the response. So, Alex, let, let me ask you this. You you mentioned in the, the beginning of us talking about this coaching thing that, that, that some of the challenges that we have as people are these self-limiting beliefs, right, and also blind spots, what we call blind spots in our life, right? And these are generally things that we can't see that might need fixing or healing or whatever it may be or addressing in our lives. Other people can often see them, especially those closest to us. uh, And yet we can't because we're too close to the situation or it's just our norm. This is what we've grown up with. So it's our familiar and we're not aware that this is a problem. So for the guys listening then, can you give us some examples or ideas of things that they might be looking for in their life that would indicate there's some blind spots, there's some limiting beliefs that 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 might actually be helpful if they went into the coaching space to go, hey, um, instead of you feeling stuck or, you know, uh, what is it in my life that I, I can't get past? Like, what are they looking for when that might indicate to them that there's some things that might need addressing in this space? Limiting beliefs. Okay, let, let me give you two. Let me give you two examples. As we're growing up, and you guys may have, and I'm sure some of the some of your listeners have have grown up with a sign 
that was adorned on the wall by most Christian families that said, money is the root of all evil. Hmm. Right? We've all seen it, right? Hmm. And then there'd be another term that goes with it. It talks about he is filthy rich. (laughs) Yeah. That creates this thing that all people that are rich are filthy. It creates a belief that all people that are rich, I'm not filthy, so I don't want to be rich. Then when you look at the scripture, and this is how scripture has been used to limit people, either knowingly or unknowingly, the root of all evil, uh, money is a root of all evil. Well, we know that that's not right because it says the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, what God is saying there, I believe, is that if you love money more than you love me, well, then you made money your God. Yes. Mm. yes. Because you brought in another another God and there should be no other except me. Okay. Now, uh, if I'm talking out of school here, no. interject. No, right. Yeah. That that's that, that. But these create limiting beliefs in people's abilities to earn and keep money. Mm. Back to those little basic little filthy rich. So people create this belief that to be rich is 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 uh, you've got to be filthy. So therefore, everyone who's rich is a bad person. Okay, they're filthy and they're bad people. Right. I don't want to be a bad person. So therefore, I'll get money. Money will come in, and I'll get rid of it. I'll either go out and spend it. Give it to the poor, do something with it, but I can't hold it because if I hold money, then I'm filthy. Mm. Yeah. Makes sense. The second one is, <laughs> have you ever been driving in the car and actually suddenly realised that you'd left the handbrake on? Yeah. I know I've done it. Now, you've got one or two choices. You either accelerate faster or you take the brake off. Yes. That's a good analogy. I like that. Limiting belief is your handbrake. That's the stuff. It's It may not stop you to get where you're going. It's going to slow you. Yeah. You have to put more effort in. Yeah. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. And so that's how limiting beliefs control our lives. They become the glass ceiling and it limits how far we can go. And not so much how far we can go, how far we will go. Because we don't believe we either deserve to go higher, mm. don't mm. believe that we have the ability to go higher because we've been told, you know, you're a, you're a muck-up, you're completely useless. Um, you know, as a kid, you, you, you're told uh, you, you're an idiot. What do you know? You know nothing. You, you're, you're destined to be sweeping the floors in a factory. And these all become those words that are said in anger can become limiting beliefs on a person's outcome and the person's life. And I'm sure there are people in, in out there right now that have had those words in anger said to them. Mm. As a child, you hear it from your parents and you've got complete trust in them. And so those words go deep into your subconscious, mm. deep, deep in your subconscious to where all your limiting beliefs sit. Mm. And that's where you operate from. And you'll start saying those things yourself. You're saying, oh, I can't do that. I'm too stupid. I don't understand that. I'm not even going to attempt to even try to unravel that. I'm, I'm just an idiot. I'm a dummy. Uh, or I'm, I'm, I, I couldn't do that because, I, I, you know, geez, if I, if I actually went ahead and, and achieved that goal, I, I'd have, you know, $20 million. Then that makes me filthy rich and I don't want to be filthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't get rich. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We start operating from those limitations that we've created um, we've left the handbrake on. 
So Alex, for, for men listening then who who have, as you've been speaking, perhaps identified that there might be some stuff there where the handbrake's on, whether it's fully, slightly, or anything in between. Um, how do we choose a coach for us? Because much like a counselor, right, the person that we choose to sit in that space with is important and how we relate to them is really important. And so I suppose just some final thoughts for today around if we've come to that conclusion to go, you know what, I think I might need to explore this. I'm not even really sure where to start and what I should be looking for when it comes to the sort of coach that I should be looking at. Just speak into that space for us. What are your thoughts around that? How do we find a coach that might be a good fit for us? Yeah, before I do that, Tim, can I can I give guys a, a couple of um, couple of tips to actually help to release a handbrake? Of course. Let's let's give that to them free charge before they have to <laughs> go out and engage a coach. <laughs> One of the difficult things you know, in engaging a coach is finding the right one. But before we go there, one of the key things that can help us to release that handbrake is creating positive affirmation statements about ourselves. Hmm. What we've done by creating limiting beliefs is we've created a limited identity. Our identity of who we are, how we see ourselves, isn't aligned to the way God sees us because he hasn't placed limitations on us. He's put us. He's put a purpose on it, but I don't believe he's placed limitation on us. And if there are limits on us, he's given us the strength to get through and get on with it, right? So the limitations there that we've done or that we've created these beliefs has happened from the date of birth. As a spirit, we were put in as a perfect being. We are in God's image. God is perfect, okay? Whereas I like to call it a 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. And now when God sees us and looks at us and looks at our heart, not our physicality, but looks at our heart, he sees us through the lens of Christ as a perfect finished work, mm. through Christ. Mm. Yes. So therefore, we've got to change the identity we have about ourselves. One of the first things we need to do to help us to release some of these limiting beliefs is about creating positive affirmative statements about ourselves. And it, def- and it actually affirms and declares who we are, who we want to be. But it declares it in a positive sense. Hmm. And it's like you've already achieved it. It's not like, oh, one day I will be or, you know, someday I will do. No, no, no. It's I am. And it's all the I am statements. And it's a beautiful thing because the I am statement really came from the Bible, didn't it? Because God said, I am the I am. Right. Yeah. Who, who shall I say sent me? He said, well, I am. I'm basically I'm everything. Hmm. Yeah. So those I am statements, and I'm saying that we that we should create I am statements to say I am God because that's ridiculous. But we say uh, affirmative things like, you know, I I deserve to be wealthy. I deserve to. I deserve. I am wealthy. I am worthy of this. I am. I am a. I am a child of God. I am a wonderful father, wonderful human being, a wonderful husband. I am a wonderful boss. I am a great friend. I am uh, I, I am whatever it is that you see in that positive in that negative light right now, whatever you see is your handbrake, you need to flip that handbrake into becoming your accelerator by changing whatever it is that you identify 
into that into that I am statement in a positive sense, as if you've achieved it. Mm. Why does this stuff work? Your subconscious does not know the difference between real and imagined. Okay, science tells us this. You can tell yourself two two things. You can tell yourself and create memories of things that actually never happened. You can create those as memories, right? And that's this is not my stuff. It's this is this yeah. is you know what science tell, tells us. We can change pathways. We can change the way that our uh, our um, our psychology works for us. So whatever was a negative, we can change into a positive statement. Now, your subconscious does not know the difference between real or imagined. So if you close your eyes and you say, I am, that creates a program, shall we call it, for lack of a better word, and we're all being programmed regardless of where you want to sit. A program is nothing more than a set of instructions, right? The people make it to be something evil and sinister, but everybody's programmed in one degree or another. Mm programmed to be a radio announcer, you know, you're programmed to be a coach, you're programmed to be a police officer or a defence, everyone's programmed to do something. And we're all taught um, to walk, talk and, and shoot in a particular way. And that's fabulous. The programming of this positive affirmation goes in such a way that your subconscious where all of the limiting beliefs play, it goes into there. And if you've said it, if you say it out loud, and believe it, you will believe it. You will become it. That's the view. Now, this isn't this isn't the um, this isn't this uh, fake it till you make it. Yeah. Okay. It's not about fake it till you make <laughs> it. This is about believe it and you'll see it. Hmm. Because yeah. it is. You have to believe that something is true before you actually get to do it. Okay. So positive affirmation statements about ourselves to te- and that declare what you want to be as if you've already done it. Hmm. I'm rich, I'm this, I'm that, whatever it is. I, I don't care. I just picked on money because men are always focused on money. Um, <laughs> we're always focused on money, on working our job and status and all. That's why I threw, threw money in there, right? But, you know, money is just an exchange tool. That's all it is. It's nothing more, nothing less. doesn't make it. I heard, I heard a great term recently. He said, um, uh, it, it said that uh, if you are if you are re- if you're a bad person when you're broke, you'll just be a bad person with money. Mm. All it does is amplifies mm. bad things are right. Mm. Yes. So what we're trying to do by creating those positive affirmations is create new beliefs about ourselves. Those beliefs then create a new identity, and therefore, and that's what I did twelve years ago. Mm. I had to live into the fact that Christ died for me. I had to own that. I heard it, okay, and we all hear it in church. We all hear it. We read it in the Bible, but do you own it? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I took it upon myself to say, you know what, I have been chosen. I am a child of God. And so, therefore, I've got to now respond in a completely different way than I did when I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I sat in church and, and I'll be thinking things that I shouldn't be thinking. And, and I'm, I know I'm not alone, but that's okay. Hmm. Right? But until we own that new identity, we can say and do whatever we want, but until we own that new identity, nothing actually changes. So at the root of all this is the identity that we've created ourselves has gotten us to where we are today. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. We start that journey with positive affirmations and beliefs. 
Yeah. Okay. How do we find a coach? Right. <laughs> Coaching, my friend, is a second largest growing um, vocation in the world at the moment. There are coaches everywhere. There are coaches that are, does it matter whether the coach believes what you believe? That's completely up to you. Does it matter that the coach has walked the walk and can talk the talk? That's completely up to you. My suggestion is that you find a coach that you align with, someone someone that you get along with, because I can tell you, and you'll know that in the first meeting, one of the key aspects of coaching is you've got to be a have, you've got to have the ability to build a strong rapport and a strong bond with your clients, because otherwise they're not going to trust you. Mm. If they don't trust you, you can't take them on a transformative journey. Mm. It's that simple. If they think that what you're talking about, and so as a as a client, when I look for a coach, I, I, I look for because I, I'm still coach now, 15 years later, because unless you're in the process of coaching and being coached and growing, continuing to grow and improve, then I don't believe you should have the right to be coaching someone else because we're all on a journey. Hmm. Well, we all need, as Des so well put it at the start, we all need someone in our corner. Now, a good friend is not a coach. A good friend will chat with you. I, I, I want to draw the distinction again. I just want to. I, I want to draw the distinction of coaching and, and a good friend, and also a counselor. The counselor, as we said before, will help you unpack some of these limiting things. Um, the good friend will listen to you. The coach's role is to help you bring about outcomes. Hmm. Okay. A good mate will talk to you and he'll talk to you from his experience and that's fabulous. But his experience may have been 20 years ago or 10 years ago, five years ago. It may not be today. And even if it was today, his is going to be different to yours because he's lives a different life to you. Mm. Just because you're married and he's married, he's divorced and you're about to get divorced doesn't make you in the same, doesn't make the circumstances the same. No. Right? And we all know that. We've been, we've been there. And, and it's so a good friend is good as a listening post and you can hear yourself talk and you you can bring those things to the light. And that's fabulous. A coach will ask you, what do you want to do about it? Mm. Yeah. That's the key yeah. difference. Yeah. And then when you've set what you want to do about it, keeping it simple, he'll ask you the questions or she'll ask you the questions and when do you want to, when do you want to take the first step? Mm. Because unless you've mapped out the journey, you're not leaving home. And so the key there is, oh, great, we've identified the things we don't like. Do you want to change them? Yes, fabulous. When would you like to start? What is it that you want to change? How do you want it to, what do you want it to look in a perfect world? And, and they'll model all of these questions based on your circumstances to get you to the outcome that you want. Mm. They'll take you through the discomfort of change, and it is uncomfortable to change. Mm. Alex, just one, one question. We broadcast across, you know, 750 stations across Australia, effectively. And somebody may be listening who's in a small community where they don't, maybe there's no coach in that town. What would you recommend they do? Great question, Des. And, you know, the, the best thing, there's been some real great upshots with COVID, um, if, there, if, there's, if there is any. 
Uh, and the great upshot is that a lot of people are now used to using the phone and Zoom and all these other mo uh, modalities to communicate and connect. Uh, coaching, 80% of coaching probably occurs on the phone or online. So if they're in a, if they're in a place like that, don't feel that that's a, a restriction for you. As long as your phone works, everything else can be worked out from there. Well, that about wraps up the show for this week. Our special guest has been Alex Sipala. Alex, we are so grateful for what you've input into our lives. Bless you, mate. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute honour. Thank you. And as we wrap up this week's show, just a reminder, our website, MomentumAustralia.org. You can hear previous episodes of the show there. Throw a few dollars in to financially support Momentum. That would be awesome. We would be so grateful that you can do that because we are all around the nation impacting men through this show and we're getting some great feedback. And your uh, investment into this uh, radio program and podcast will help men all around Australia just do life that little bit better and find commonality through how we uh, do life together and what we share here on Momentum. MomentumAustralia.org is the website. Also, give us some feedback. And look, if there's a question or a topic you want us to tackle on the show, by all means, send that through. And if it's appropriate, doesn't I will do our best to uh, I will tackle that in a future show for you. Hey, have yourself an awesome week. And we'll look forward to being back with you next week right here for Momentum. Until then, you take care. God bless. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Momentum a show that helps men succeed in life. For more information or to hear this week's show again, go to MomentumAustralia.org. You can also access a whole range of resources to help you on your journey and to get in touch with the team at MomentumAustralia.org. Until next time, keep moving forward with Momentum.